Hello and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 122. So I've just recently returned from Art Tangent Festival and as like basically the last fortnight has been entirely either being at the festival or pre-listening to stuff I thought you know it makes sense to to do this episode talking about that. I've not really had time to research another different subject so this episode is basically just going to be a kind of chronological review going through everything i saw at our festival might give me some opportunity to talk in more depth about some of the bands there's a lot um a lot i saw that i really enjoyed that i you know wanted to cover on the podcast but haven't necessarily had chance to go into before so um art tangent festival for you, those of you who aren't familiar it's a sort of British festival in the West Country. It's been going for nine years now, and it um, it kind of started out as a kind of math rock and post rock festival. But over the years, it's added more and more kind of metallic stuff to the lineup. Normally, with some kind of leaning towards those genres or elements of the progressive. Like I'd say, it's it's a progressive music festival not specifically metal. I I wouldn't say I, I as much as everything more or less i'm going to be talking about today i really went liked and went to it for was metal i wouldn't actually call it a metal festival it's kind of it has quite a broad selection of bands and i'm I'm sure some of the original fans of the, the festival might be um a little perturbed about how kind of metallic and hardcore leaning um some of it's got over recent years but yeah so it's been going i think this was the 2023 was the ninth iteration of the festival i've been going the last three years well last three times it's run to 2019 2022 and it's it's grown to a reasonable scale it's like about i think twelve thousand person capacity and there's five tent stages which is it's quite an interesting setup of there one is a noticeably bigger tent but you don't have the massive main stage so in terms of like its size it's it's smaller to say its main uk competitor bloodstock which is on the week before and has this huge main stage with like screens showing the band but it actually has an additional little stage for that so What's quite nice about Art Dungeon is a tiny little site with these these five stages and you know, all your food stands and bars, etc. And you can walk from the two furthest apart stages in like three minutes. So at any point in the festival, you can just switch out what you're watching for something else. And there's normally two or three bands playing at any given time so it's it's a it's quite a nice festival where you can go and completely blind and just wander around stages or if there's a clash you're worried about you can start watching one band and if you're not digging it go like actually i'll go watch the other one of this clash and you can normally get to the edge of the crowd quite happily for that which is is a nice change from from some festivals like trying to do the equivalent at, at hellfest would be I mean, I guess those stages are close together, but it might be quite hard work to sort of move around the crowds and switch what you're doing like that. Um, yeah, and as I say, the it's it's an interesting one where the lineup isn't specifically kind of my thing, but there's enough stuff that I really want to watch that I can always like cherry pick quite a good time in the lineup. Um, I'm not going to discuss any everything on by any means in this. I'm literally just going to be talking through what I enjoyed this year. So. I guess I'll jump into it here. So something that's becoming a bit more of a common practice with festivals is that you, you can often get into them the day before and, you know, there's a day where you'd, like, hang out on the campsite, 
or maybe just entering a bit of the arena while they're still setting up and then the next day you'll start sort of watching the bands proper and what they've been doing more and more Bloodsort's done this um i've been to other festivals that do it too is they start putting some stuff on in the evening of that day so like there's a like a kind of fourth like day prior to everything else where you get a couple of bands um arts engine's been doing this for a while like last year there was a few bands in the evening but this year they took it to a kind of a whole new level the opening wednesday there was a full what is it like i think 10 band kind of pre-fest day where only a single stage is open i think it was like the second biggest stage but like bands were on from like 2 p.m so we we kind of got to the festival like as soon as we get in the door got our tent set up and actually were in the arena to to watch stuff from from 2 p.m straight on and and what was quite fun about this wednesday was it was a set of majority uk bands who all played the festival the last year and had like quite a positive audience response so it had this almost like best of the of last year's fest kind of thing going on obviously it's not like the headliners for last year it's some you know slightly smaller acts as a particularly stuff that's a bit more local but it was very cool to see all these sons like oh i quite enjoyed that last year or i was gutted i missed that and they, they brought them back so opening the whole whole thing was um ojo's big band and this kind of i this speaks to some extent to how the festival changed of they're quite a kind of like muscular sounding hardcore band with with some elements of sort of like uh doom and there's some some slightly more technical stuff in there but really it was that like you know four guys one vocalist one guitar just doing some pretty heavy in your face music which felt like a you know a rather interesting way to open the festival where which i usually it always like parcel out as like a lot of instrumental math rock stuff and it was um yeah wouldn't be my obvious choice to open it but they, they you know were a perfect thing to get a crowd going right from the start now one of the main reasons for me getting to the festival so early was for the second band on who are a real highlight from when i was there in 2022 this is the london-based band five the hierophant um metal archives as their genre down as like avant-garde post black doom metal slash dark ambient jazz which you know is in terms of descriptors all over the fucking place but what was really cool about this band is they are they are a five piece um but they all have these costumes these long like hooded robes on stage and they play this kind of very dark slow doom metal with some kind of occult leanings as you'd expect from five the hierophant a name and they taken from the tarot card but they're kind of for want of a better phrase gimmick or like cool addition is their sort of front man rather than singing plays a saxophone so over this kind of slow heavy very atmospheric kind of doom riffing we get this this kind of cool lead saxophone and he's clearly this very very gifted kind of jazz saxophone guy uh, this plays into something i was saying a few episodes back about the the band subterranean disposition of how i was questioning can you have like a kind of progressive doom sound and these guys would be a perfect example of a kind of quite progressive avant-garde take on i would call them doom but i could i could accept arguments um I would say they are a band best witnessed live, and that's why I really want to get it from there. Their second album I got very into from 2021 through the Orid Void um, is, is an excellent release, but live there is just another dimension to their sound because they they have this stage show and sort of 
kind of showmanship with it the the um the guitarist and bass player join the sax player around one mic at the start of the gig and they have these long long kind of horns they they play to kind of symbolize the start of the show and you know the, the, the horns actually sound really cool as well and then they'll sort of go into this kind of like heavier doom metal but there's a lot of like interesting little bits they'll have like the the sax players also at some point playing like a bell and various other bits of odd percussion there's lots of interesting choices like the guitarist at some point will play his guitar with a violin bow to create like a an interesting texture so there's loads loads of good stuff going on there but it is not just a a visual gimmick they they have incredible riffs like the all of this suits the music the music has this very dark oppressive and you know oddly occult leaning sound for something with no lyrics it just feels everything about it feels very ritualistic both musically and in presentation and yeah i think they were a fantastic band to sort of grab people's attention sort of this early in the day um people who saw them last year i think turned up specifically and then lots of other people haven't caught them before were very excited by this um yeah, strange presentation. A lot of the rest of the Wednesday kind of blurred together a bit, seeing like a lot of bands in a row. But the the next one I checked out was uh, Hippotractor from Belgium, one of one of many very good bands from Belgium that seem to be on the, this bill. Um, they kind of play a, like a term. This is like how they describe themselves in their band camp: um, a combination of prog, groove, and post metal. Which, um, yeah, I mean. That, that kind of fits accurately. I think they're a band that, you know, would be in the broader subcategory of gent, but they don't have a lot of what puts me off that genre at a lot of times. Like, Arctangent, as you can guess from the name, is certainly a festival that leans towards that. There's a lot of uh, a lot of seven or more string guitars and some avant-garde tunings and a lot of uh, chugging on an extremely down-tuned note and hypertractor play into that. But um, they presented it very well they're fronted by um stefan de graf of psychonaut but in this band he's just the vocalist so they're like a five piece and their their stuff came off significantly heavier live than on studio it was this very tight very unsurprisingly like angular complex progressive metal with a cool combination of like quite brutal scream vocals and some very impressive cleans delivered by both stefan and the um and sort of the guitarist but what really sort of impressed me about this was like their delivery of their music which is far from simplistic was incredibly 
tight and proficient, but apparently the drummer and bass player, so the whole rhythmic core of the band, almost the most impressive kind of part of that sound, were, were depths. So they were two British guys that they kind of got in to fill in for them at relatively last minute, and it just didn't seem to slow these guys down. I mean, obviously they're playing to a click and all that, but I don't... Yeah, there's nothing to underplay like the the like extreme talent of this this band. Like they they really came across as um as sort of very impressive. And I think if you're more into that sort of modern prog style, they're certainly a band to keep an eye on. They, they seem like sort of relatively new, but like yeah, I was I was somewhat blown away by the the quality of their live show. Um, as I say, yeah, the next few of these sort of blur together, so I'll sort of rush through them, but I, they were all enjoyable shows. Um, next up, we had P- Pupil Slicer, who are a, a British band very much on the rise, and it got, kind of got increasingly from, like, sludgy sort of hardcore-leaning stuff to bizarre music, just really wild stuff. I, I remember having a bit of trouble sort of passing everything that was going on in this set but it was it was it was great fun and i think there's certainly a band to watch that are going increasingly weird and wonderful with time uh following that we had june uh d v n e who i'd say kind of a very in the same vein as hippotractor they're um they're from scotland and they they yeah they're they're termed by metal archives as progressive slush, progressive sludge slash post metal, but they, they, again, it's that kind of very sort of angular, extremely heavy riffing. Um, I, I think the the vocals were very intense with this band as well, and yeah, another band I don't know super well outside of. It. I'm, I'm, I've heard the album a few times, but I, I, I know more off their live show, and they they put together an incredible live set it's you know ridiculously tight but still very heavy and in your face and sort of got a lot of life out the crowd um and then following them was conjurer who are certainly sort of rising stars of this kind of um that you know progressive sludge slash post metal i guess genre um i you know don't want to like i don't know exactly how to describe them but again another band playing this kind of very angry very heavy hardcore music more of that kind of like extreme vocal delivery lots of really big riffs and i you know witnessing them live i think is the best reason just you know you can see why they're doing so well the way this sound sort of goes over in that environment the way they can get a kind of crowd moving on the the strength of their riffs alone and they're, they're quite an active band on stage as well i think it's particularly their bass player like is just like running all over the place and is just a real real energetic presence whereas the other two guys in the band of uh, two vocalists sorry kind of more locked to their mics like that guy really um really gives something interesting to look at but yeah there's certainly a band i'm aware of taking off very well in the uk but um yeah, if you've not heard of them before, I think Conjurer will be one to sort of keep watching. Their their live shows seem to be really connecting with people. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so that was basically everything I watched on the Wednesday. But like as I say, that's kind of the warm-up day. The festival isn't even sort of fully open there. It's 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 a reduced capacity and they're only the single stage. So let's move on to the festival proper and go through the... Uh, the lineup I watched on Thursday. So the first band I caught was the uh, tail end of Wallowing set, who are an, an interesting sort of newer band on Church Road Records, who um, play in these kind of like beekeeper outfits, 
But um, yeah, they play this incredibly harsh, like sludge slash doom sound, but with this extreme vocal attack. Like they were about that as I was approaching the tent, you could hear the vocals, and it was just like they that overwhelmingly that was the cool thing. Like they were just so kind of brutal sounding. I didn't catch too much of that, but it sounded it sounded very good. And talking of like brutal sounding vocals, the the first band I sort of watched on the main stage proper was uh Vegan Dodd. Uh, I think that's how you I think it's roughly how you pronounce it. The the band's name spelt W I E G E D Double O D. So they're yet another Belgian based band featuring some ex members of Armand Ra and current members of um Oathbreaker, who play an incredibly in-your-face take on black metal. Like, a, a kind of an odd booking, I thought, for Art Tangent, because these, these guys I would term, particularly from the albums I'm familiar with, as a very kind of down-the-line black metal band. And, and what was amazing about this was just the proficiency of this band and the near effortlessness of at least their presentation of it so they're a free piece where guitarist slash vocalist i think it's two guitars actually and, and drums so they have this quite interesting i i stated they, they, about the studio arms they do this interesting thing of sounding sort of raw in your old school like norwegian messy recording way despite being incredibly perfect just by virtue of doing things like not having a bass player and um having such a kind of nasty vocal attack that it just like everything just sounds more distorted than than the capture of it is just the, the combination of sort of speed brutality and leaning into the the treble and the sound um and what's kind of amazing of this is their their 45 minute set they more or less barring like some tiny breaks between songs just it was straight blast beats incredibly fast kind of like the hands and feet kind of work and the guitarists just this like uninterrupted like almost blur like completely blurring of the hand tremolo picking doing this yeah very kind of hypnotic repetitive black metal it's kind of that black metal that was sitting in the riff for a long time and really build up into a kind of like certain headspace and with a vocal attack that is you know it, it, it terrifying unsettling like all the things you want from a, a kind of you know more serious black metal band and and it's always interesting with these guys that they have such a kind of harshness on that side of things but their image is very kind of non-existent very restrained for a black metal band they have that kind of symbol of the the twigs um arranged that kind of odd cross but um otherwise on stage the guys present just like three normal dudes but the 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 sort of intensity of the music still creates this impressive very very scary sound and it, uh, i think this is a highly divisive one there as i say it's you know it's it's a festival that leans towards the math rock the progressive the gent um and these guys are none of those things but i i do believe a core of the audience was certainly captured by the intensity of this performance and as i say it was very impressive in many ways there's some interesting little things they add in there to the sound the the main vocalist also occasionally does these kind of like throat singing like ultra low sort of cleans i guess i don't know if you quite call throat singing cleans um which were very cool and then there was one interlude between between tracks where he just played this 
seemingly immensely proficient, like completely clean, like jazz solo. Where he was like, like starting from very melodic and accelerating to um, incredibly techy kind of playing, and it was just straight back in the music. This very weird one minute kind of aside in the middle of the set. I, I don't know if it was purely showing off, or maybe maybe this is a a factor of one of their albums. I don't I. I don't know the releases inside out, but yeah, a, a very, a very impressive performance, albeit sitting slightly weirdly in the overall lineup. sets because i wanted to catch everything so next up were were local heroes Svalbard, who are kind of hardcore slash kind of progressive band um they're now they're three albums deep and like they're incorporating more elements into that kind of like post-hardcore sound there's certain leanings towards i believe like a love of bands like alcest coming in there so for the most part like they played a set mix between sort of older and newer stuff and most part you had that kind of like proficient very very emotionally kind of engaging hardcore sound with the the twin vocal attack of Liam and Serena the high and lower screams uh, going back and forth um but also with some of the newer materials Serena started including more of a very beautiful ethereal sort of cleans which which makes such a kind of cool back and forth for her, her more brutal like lower screen vocals and and you know all of this just mixed together very nicely to make for a very cool um yeah it's sort of slightly progressive sound um and Serena's a very charming front person as well as always like <laughs> for music that sounds so kind of like bleak and terrifying in places uh she's very friendly between songs which uh, you know i always always find endearing um yeah and there was some sort of i think with like some of the singles they've released a few cool singles for their upcoming album one that's their first ever that's kind of completely clean vocals you can tell they're sort of leaning into interesting new territories i mean that that aforementioned uh recent single incredible i, I really actually you know are interested to see if they're gonna push further and further into that direction because they seem to be very good at it but yeah that was a absolutely excellent set uh next up was uh cave in on the main stage yet another like i'm gonna keep saying this and i think it's because of what i'm looking for from this festival but there's another band that felt like a a somewhat odd choice because cave in more traditionally in that heavy like hardcore kind of setting despite you know having the odd album where they sort of moved away from that sound 
but yeah they 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 were great um i don't know the material well enough to comment on kind of what era it was coming from but it was it was a lot of fun it seemed to be one of those bands like one of those sets where there was an oddity if you you needed to stand in the right bit of the crowd to really get the full effect of the guitar i don't know quite what was going on there but once i moved to the right spot i had a good time with it but yeah i can't comment too much further because i just don't know the music that well the next band i was exceptionally excited to finally get to see live this is chat pile um they their 2022 debut album god's country i was very fond of with very sort of strange mix of like psychedelic rock sludge metal like and all sorts of very weird influences and an incredibly odd vocal delivery um they are they're a band where like my friend my friend Lewis pointed out to me while watching them where it's just stuff like the guitar tone just shouldn't work for this band but with the way it's presented everything being wrong is just exactly what they need um yeah the they opened with why which is an incredible like odd ranting song which was a real standout from God's country and the singer's vocal delivery has this sort of this bizarre mix back and forth from this like rambling almost spoken word to these very harsh um like yeah kind of lower register screams and yeah and the music is sort of groovy but inherently sort of unsettling and wrong-footed um and the presentation as well like the, the singer was like sort of shirtless and just walking around in circles in the middle of the stage looking like kind of on the verge of absolutely like losing it and yeah just presenting this this very intense energy <laughs> there's like he has very interesting between song banter as well sort of rambling about sort of films he's enjoyed there was a, a reference i thought was absolutely incredible to um to the film pender's fen which is an old like an old i think british bbc film like an absolutely incredible thing but like most people in the uk haven't seen that film and he was sort of re referencing the the area the the festival was set in looking looking like it was straight out of that which is a a very strange like left field thing to bring up but if you've never seen pender's fan i highly recommend it um i wonder if he, they also got got uh turned on to it by live at the death factory podcast i god knows but yeah as i like i at chat pile absolutely lived up to what they were doing on on god's country they they fully live captured that sort of horrendous unsettling energy of that album and you know were able to reproduce those quite bizarre sounds live and it, it i think it came across very well and i could see them being a divisive one but it um for such an odd presentation it seemed to really land well with people why do people have to live outside intense under bridges living with nothing and horribly suffering why why do people have to live outside? We have the resources. We have the means.
Uh, next up was Elder, which, um, and this is kind of obviously a theme for going to a festival like this in the UK, is I bumped into uh, Shem and Nina from um, Lo- the band Lowen, also who do the, the Serpent Temple podcast, and we got chatting, and so Elder became a bit more of a hit, sort of, I never quite entered the tent, but they sounded very good from the edge of the tent. I mean, I've, I've seen Elder before, they are, they are a fantastic... Uh, fantastic live band but yeah sadly a bit of uh catching up with friends um <laughs> got in the way with that one but if you um if you are uh interested in more in-depth coverage of any of this stuff um Shem and Nina have done a series of of interviews with loads of the acts there they have they had a like a press pass for it so go over their youtube channel i think they've already posted up an interview with pupil slicer but i know they've got a they've got a few more uh, a few more coming as well so um yeah if you want to hear more detail on any of this stuff go to the serpent temple on youtube um then it was russian circles who you know uh, russian circles are are just an excellent live act i've been very very fond of for a lot of years now um what they do that that sort of instrumental post-rock i think they are one of the the heaviest acts you, you I've, I've seen doing that kind of sound on that scale and I'm, I'm glad they've kind of taken off in 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 the way they have yeah it, they it was just kind of i think it was just post sort of sunset as a playing so they, they got to do a lot with the light show because obviously you know there's very little interaction with the audience from the band but they they served very well by sort of all the backdrops and sort of light show they had going on and yet that just came across as immensely heavy and then the overall headline of the day was converge and converge are sort of an interesting one at a festival like this because particularly with their most recent release being blood moon they're kind of quite out there collaboration with chelsea wolf there was a lot of discussion before they came on of like well, what kind of stuff they're playing are they gonna be playing their their sort of weirder stuff or you're gonna do more uh, kind of straight down the line so and and what we got was the latter like it, it, they didn't do something that was tailored to the the oddness of um uh arctangent festival they just steamrolled it and it it was fucking fantastic i uh, i was not expecting to like this quite as much as i did the just they're a band where none of this would be surprising though that combination of like kurt blue and ben cola like no surprise this comes across brilliantly live these just incredibly tight fast grooves with jacob bannon's like brutal shrieking over the top of it just you know a a fantastic presentation of like and it's not a band i know inside out of course i know the album like jane doe fairly well but outside of that i i don't really know the songs i didn't um yeah, didn't recognise a huge amount of it, but that didn't really stop it from being kind of one of my favourite experiences of the festival. And as I say, all this seems stupid, going like, oh yeah, Converge are good, what a surprise. But yeah, they 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 are a, a really, really excellent live act. And even in the slightly odd setting of being this kind of more prog festival, like they, they came across incredibly well. I guess actually talking about this and thinking about the lineup as more of a whole now it's it's past is the the lean towards hardcore there is very interesting and I I wonder there's probably some very interesting history that I I couldn't <laughs> couldn't really explain to um to why that sort of intersection of 
of post-rock prog and hardcore is is such a thing these days and you know why those kind of sounds all work kind of so complementary like there's you know it seems to be an audience where people were interested in quite a broad subsection of these bands despite uh outwardly seeming disparate but yeah um yeah converge just an absolutely incredible closer to the the first day proper the second day was opened in excellent fashion by witch sorrow who are a kind of very down the line doom metal band like if you're not aware of them they're really excellent i um yeah i've been getting increasingly into into these guys like a free piece doom band you know in the loose vein of your your sort of electric wizards although not quite that slow or distorted we're kind of more rocky but another band who do a lot with that kind of power trio sound um vocalist necroskull like it's just a hell of a front man like both being like sort of doing visually entertaining stuff while locking down the guitar and the vocals for this and you know giving us that brilliant kind of you know sabbathy candle mass all the all the kind of the big riff bands like energy and a really cool way to start the festival albeit like you know quite an odd booking for there to be such a uh a straight up doom band there and then like a lot of the early morning was, was stuff i was like less familiar with but was nice to be like dragged around by people's sort of advice of things to um look out for like Killiger's horse were were an interesting one who um just you know that very good singy prog kind of genre i don't know what, what you call that that end of prog metal seems to be very on the rise again of of bands with these brilliant sort of clean vocalists who the primary driver of the songs are these big vocal hooks but they do take influence from the you know, kind of more math rocky genres like the structures will be very verse chorus but there will be you know interesting elements of like i guess polyrhythmic stuff in there yeah they, they were impressive although one of those bands i felt i think if I'd known all the songs, known the choruses ahead of time, it um it might have been a bit more exciting. But you know, still still enjoyable in its in its way. I think actually just before them, I saw Spur from Norway, who are like a post rock slash metal uh, instrumental band, who to me feel like a really great example of sort of what I think of as the archetypal arc tangent band so there are six pieces i think it's um free guitarist bass player drummer and then a musician who plays trumpet and sort of some various other things i think he also had like a keyboard and between parts was playing a tambourine which is you know always great to see a tambourine out there but they play this kind of very long form slow burning instrumental music where the the guitars will there'll be a lot of different textures in the guitars often very subtle things over like the bass and drums building up these big grooves will get faster and faster and then they'll throw in long sections of like tremolo pick but also often like tremolo pick on like a clean tone that just creates this sort of like wall of like a single note being played like thousands of times to create another sort of ambient texture over things and yeah songs like that feel like they take a long time to to sort of get to a crescendo and like this kind of stuff i find incredibly hit or miss because so often it is you know it it has that problem a lot of um stoner rock has as a genre for, for me personally this is where 
you know, like you see bands, you go, oh, that's amazing tone. And then you just don't find a riff you latch onto in it and and they kind of lose patience with it. And this band were the exact opposite with this. Like the yes, the tones were amazing, but I, I felt they the songs really felt like they built built to a cool point um very quickly and I kept finding more bits of the sound to latch onto and found myself more and more engaged with it. And yeah, and then the the sort <laughs> icing on the cake was walking into the tent halfway through the first song and and then that trumpet being added and going, Oh cool, that was that was uh that was something I wasn't expecting. I've realised I've been saying trumpet this whole time, and I mean trombone. There's another band with a trumpet later on playing a similar genre. Um, but yes, trombone, in fact, which is sort of even cooler as a mu- uh, an instrument to suddenly see on stage because you know it looks quite a bit more involved to play. But um, yeah, that guy, that guy, definitely the highlight of the show between that and the 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 tambourine. But yeah, really cool band. I want to dig into further. Like it looks like they've got quite a few releases out already. Um, on Bandcamp, and they've got quite an interesting aesthetic for this kind of genre, like almost kind of like faux black metal looking in a lot of their their arm covers. So yeah, I'd, yeah, it'd be really interested to hear more from Spurve. A completely bizarre band um, came up next. This was um, local band Mother Vulture, who were, I think were fairly last minute uh, fill-ins for this, and really felt like they're at the wrong festival, but <laughs> so thoroughly enjoyable. They the the band like were dressing in these like white uh like dress jackets and they they kind of looked like they were members of the who and they played this like very four four like straightforward like like kind of old school like classic rock meets like proto heavy metal with just an incredible like couple of vocalists actually they they have a lead singer who would go between these like very impressive bombastic highs to just suddenly like shrieking scream vocals so they'd be playing this kind of like yeah as i say like almost classic rocky like proto heavy metal music in places and then just suddenly like a death metal breakdown in the middle of it kind of wild music and and i think particularly something to watch live like there was a lot of climbing up on amp stacks and leaping into the audience and you know all sorts of uh, kind of raucous behaviour. They played on the opening day uh, last year's Art Tangent and um, climbed sort of all. Uh, it was on the bar stage, and they climbed like all over the bar and up like the rigging. And I think <laughs> I think they might be instructed they couldn't go quite as crazy this year, but they still uh, still managed to get around the space quite a lot. And yeah, we're incredibly fun live show. No idea what the studio stuff's like, but they're they're an incredibly fun live act. Now, another one I was super excited for, um, as those who listened to Into the Combines End of the Year special last year will know, really big into Ashen Spire's second album, Hostile Architecture. Those of you who aren't familiar, Ashen Spire are kind of interesting avant-garde black metal band with, so they're like sort of standard makeup of two guitars, bass and drums, but they also have a sax player with them live, who is rather than being like the occasional solo, is a full part of kind of the musical texture of most of the songs, and they play this kind of progressive, like ever-changing music is structurally very all over the place. The songs will sort of build and fall, and there's there's very little repeats in them, um, and then their lyrics are this, this incredibly dense poetry like you know there's there is no no sort of repeating sections there'll be like mantras that will sort of appear and maybe be repeated for a 
passage but then won't come back and yeah incredibly sort of dense music and their live show i believe currently is pretty much hostile architecture texture played start to finish um with maybe some of the kind of conjoining bits removed but what's kind of incredible is on the studio album the the drummer also does all the vocals and because of how complex the drum parts are they they have a vocalist live who is not the drummer um and i don't know how i don't know how they 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 cope with just learning all that stuff lyrically but it's really cool to catch them live where you have their take on the vocal delivery because it's this very impassioned like very kind of political music sort of yeah on a very kind of huge like group of themes there's a lot of a lot of really interesting things they're getting out i mean i highly advise you go away and, and check the stuff out i think lyrically it's it's fascinating if, you, if you're into like that kind of thing in metal and I, for me it just it really connected with something and then seeing it delivered live in such an impassioned way but that, that had this real variation from the studio album they they had like the, the, the songs really felt like they took on a different life live um and the, yeah the just delivery of the band incredible and this is one stage just singing sort of oh, it's like giving the audience like a heart attack is while singing a particularly like intense part of a song like like emotionally kind of draining moments like climbing this scaffolding pillar in the uh in the um in the center of the stage in some sort of inadvisable shoes while doing it very slowly while having to go back to the mic constantly oh my god it it was an incredible moment but somewhat scary and you know and a, a band that i can see going from strength to strength they, they they deal they dealt with a few things going wrong in the set like a sort of string breaking mid-song and just you know moved on like nothing happened which is always good to see like a newer band being able to handle that without any any worries but yeah obviously a band i love but um so somewhat biased but i i think they're a really great live show festivals yeah, there's a rapid turnaround between bands like they can't get kind of the care and attention they would at their own sort of headlining shows and that so there is always a few casualties where just the sound doesn't quite work out and people don't have a chance to like repair it or whatever and, and a real disappointing one was it was liturgy and i couldn't tell you what was happening in their set but it just the guitar sounded like a, just a horrendous like wall of one guitar sound for the entire set so it's one i was looking forward to that sadly i i couldn't really stick out um yeah I, I don't know what had happened there but you know as i say these things occasionally happen at festivals where just a band will just not have it work for them after that went on to see bellwitch which you know as, as you're probably well aware the the two-piece funeral doom band that features no guitars which is 
is a really interesting thing to witness live because their their albums sound very full and huge and then it's quite incredible to finally you know see that in person be like oh no this isn't this isn't like a wall of studio overdubs making this happen like dylan just does that all with one bass and a that's absolutely i can see it this show obviously because it's you know not so up close and personal but he he has a pedal board that i think is longer than i am tall but yeah with with sort of loops and then some incredibly interesting technical playing where you know he'll use his bass using sort of tapping and other things to almost be playing two melodies at once um yeah, incredibly gifted musician and although the music is very slow there is actually a lot of interesting technical things on display there which make them quite a good band to witness live whereas you know funeral doom can be a bit of a dicey genre live it does have a tendency to be like it can be boring and i, I don't think bell which are that live i think they're very interesting um set and and just the tone i oh my god the tone sound absolutely incredible but yeah yeah and it is i guess it's cool to see that their sort of latest material i believe they're playing the uh, a chunk of the latest song um uh, live at this set and yep yeah, it comes across just as well as say mirror reaper or the four phantom stuff has so yeah that was um that was really enjoyable um then then was interesting to see a band like i I know a hugely influential, um, but I know nothing about, um, this was Swans, um, and they were on the main stage, and very sort of interesting kind of setup of something I don't, I don't really see so often of, because they, they play in a very noisy genre, like, the songs, and I don't know how much this is true to the albums, how much they, they do recreate things exactly as they are, but the, the songs had this very loose improvisational feel where you had a couple of musicians playing all sorts of different things, like um, someone playing like a lap steel guitar who later switched to a bass. There was multiple, well, I think there was two percussionists, there was another bass player and yeah, a couple of guitarists and another the keyboard player. Like There's a lot of musicians on stage making this music, this sort of very organically built up slowly adding layers slowly changing slowly becoming more involved but all from like a a core of like a quite simplistic idea of just get more and more and more like a, and and these go on for, they felt like a long time like these songs felt like you know often like 15 minutes plus long um yeah very strange and then like for some tracks later in the set there there was like these these vocals but they were the, this very like odd spoken word passage and incredibly strange like haunting music and something that felt felt very weird and you you don't often at gigs that are more sort of metallically inclined have stuff that feels that level of improvisation like that level of improvised like you like it's you know metal hardcore etc tend to be fairly rigid genres where you you kind of have to play the songs more or less as written or or write a change into live stuff because if it's not precise it sounds like shit so it was nice to see a band where their music is that much looser and has that much more room for doing weird stuff with as i say maybe they are completely recreating how they they are in a studio but it's at least how that kind of felt for me um then i got a real nostalgia trip towards the end of the day um got to see sixth uh that's uh s i k t h a band like i don't know the 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 truth of this so much but they do feel like a band that's somewhat responsible for the sort of some of the trappings of modern gent i mean obviously Mushuga are your kind of ground zero for the genre but sig for a band like very early on doing a lot of that very 
all over the place, polyrhythmic complex riffing, leaning heavily onto the lower strings, lots of interesting tapping uh, patterns on the guitars, and what they have that, like, whereas Meshuggah's vocal approach feels very, like, rooted in your classic kind of, like, sort of death metal kind of stuff, these guys were wacky with it. I... Maybe being uncharitable, I think some of that vocal approach is a, a hangover from new metal, but um, there's certainly something of six vocal delivery, I think, really continued over into how how bands engage with that kind of gent, like, modern progressive metal sound, um, even if six might take it to a somewhat ridiculous degree with their, their dual vocalists. Um, and this, uh, this set was... Um, a bit of a weird one for me. So I don't really like their latest album, um, you know, whatever, maybe that's just nostalgia talking. But what was interesting was this was a lot of original members uh, with the band. So Justin was back as the, you know, the other vocalist, like one of the two vocalists, um, and Pins back with them. So, and they played a set that I think was almost exclusively the first two albums and then like two tracks off the, the EP there is just after reforming. So that was all great. That's all the kind of stuff I wanted from them. But their their bass player wasn't with them. He had recorded um, a bass track to play throughout the set, which I guess kind of works because they're with a click. But there's so many parts of the songs where like the bass is the focus. So it felt very weird that being on the backing track. Like when they disguise the Millennium, like there's this cool bass tapping lead that is just completely the focal point for about thirty seconds of the song, and that just being them playing playing the backing track felt a bit odd and they were also early on racked with some real real technical difficulties had some real trouble with the first couple of songs and it it did seem like it threw them and the music is so complex weird ever-changing as soon as something goes slightly awry things kind of fell apart but um they you know after 15 minutes they pulled it back together and did some really impressive stuff um like and the, these songs were you know near perfect by the end of the set um Mikey threw in uh, one of his spoken word pieces, which is always very cool to to um, to witness. We're going from these like sort of very low, deep voice stuff to like higher weird delivery. You know, it's 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 all a little pretentious and silly, but it, you know, I found it a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it did stuff like uh, bringing up though that look uh, a song was influenced by Bill Hicks, like really reminds you. It's like, oh yeah, this is this is a band from the early two thousands. Like <laughs> these guys have been around uh, around a really long time. Um but yeah, like yeah, had a lot of fun with it. I, I've seen them be better than this, and as I say, the lack of bass player was uh, was a little disappointing, but it was certainly a fun nostalgia trip for me. So the overall headline of the day was Highlung, which it was it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't criticize Art Tangent for this, but it was one of those experiences where the sort of limitations of Art Tangent as being a slightly smaller festival sort of worked against it. So those who don't know, Highlung are like this kind of cool collective of musicians from all around Europe playing this like folk music, really, like f like very um, very sort of traditional sounding European stuff. And I have no idea like what history do they seem like they. They're very, very into the sort of their history with that stuff. But what's interesting about them is these, these, all these bizarre visuals going on for them. Like, um, they're all in these amazing costumes. They do these dances and sort of rituals and stage. Like, there was a, a point where, like, they brought out this sort of 
whole unit of spearmen, like like twenty people on stage with shields and spears, like like all got involved in everything that's going on. But the problem is this music requires that sort of visual element or the, the vision I'm, I'm sure the music is is great by itself but the visual element is so interesting missing out on it would be would be very disappointing but because art tangent is tent stages they don't have big display screens and they don't have a thing where you sort of as you stand further back you can still sort of see what's going on so if you couldn't if you're in a place in the crowd where you couldn't see say it's like shorter you'd just be missing half the show for this and at that moment the heavens open and there's just torrential rain so i was quite far back and people are just crowded into the tent who i have got the impression quite a lot didn't want to be there so i was like i can that half see what's going on and i'm just getting sort of jostled around by people just chatting who aren't really interested which they're a band although i think you have to meet them somewhere along they're doing a thing that is you know very earnest and sort of requires you to commit to and if you're surrounded by people who can give a shit it really really takes the edge off but what they're doing is amazing and i'd highly recommend you know you go witness that live it's it's really interesting it was just for me this was not the setting to witness it, it was a bit of a frustrating one the lesson learned here is if you want to see something like that at Art Tangent, turn up early and get into the front half of the crowd. Alright, well this brings us on to the final day of the festival. So opening the festival up was um, Nort, who are a band I, I'm friendly with, so, you know, take this entire review with a pinch of salt. But they they were another fun one that was, you know, interesting to watch Art Tangent sort of expanding their register a bit with. their their a local band, and they play kind of a very goth, post-rock sort of sound, you know heavily taking influence from sort of 80s stuff in in the vein of sister mercy and and the like obviously my reference pool with that is very small because i know metal and that's about it you know um but yeah they they were really cool they they were a band that actually what i found quite interesting about them is they have a drum machine so it's, it's sort of programmed drums live and sort of singer um somewhat controls that and then you've got a bass player, keyboard player, and uh, guitarist. And th they were actually cool because you, you'd be worried sometimes with that kind of sound, like maybe that'd be a bit static live, or there wouldn't be um, stuff to witness with it where, you know, it'd be too much sort of on the backing track. But actually, um, guitarist Jack brought like a really cool kind of like almost punky energy to it with adding a lot of like sort of interesting, slightly more aggressive guitar work. Whereas the you know the bass player was sort of locking down these grooves and and the vocalist is just fantastic. Gav was, you know, doing quite a range of of voices. He like he has a very deep register for singing, but um you know his range is impressive and he uses that to great effect. And there's even stuff where but I was sort of quite amazed by it. it's like because of like that program track they had a section where they'd actually kind of left space to improvise, and I think they were in control of when the drum loop ended. So what was kind of amazing was witnessing a band with programmed drums who almost had more space to improvise during a song than, you know, many of the bands we were witnessing there who were, you know, locked into the click tracks, which, as I say, nature of, of how metal is. But, um, yeah, it was quite quite a fun set and quite a, quite a change from... Um, a lot of the other stuff on there, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the, their guitarist joking that they were they were the only one there tuned to E Standard. Like to say, now we're 
this brings us to the band I was actually thinking of with the trumpet, uh, which is Burial at Sea. Um, yeah, a Burial at Sea. They were they were a nice sort of early morning band. They were very subtle, with a similar lineup to Spurve, with you know, couple of guitarists on stage. I can't remember whether it was two or three mainly playing in clean tone over these like slowly building like drum and bass grooves and then they had this um trumpet player adding like a kind of more direct kind of more like kind of a harsher melody because obviously the trumpet sound cuts through a lot more than like the clean tone guitar doing a lot of that playing really fast tremolo over like just some clean tone to add like this effect of one building note it possibly too subtle for me like it was very very gentle music, but it was, it was soothing early in the day, and I did did feel the the songs built to to interesting points. But it, yeah, very very subtle stuff. But it it felt it felt right. That felt like a very specifically arc tangent band, and it was certainly an enjoyable set. Uh, following that up was Psychonaut, who um, were easily the most happy to be their band of the festival. I think they had to miss last year for some reason or other but you know that another belgium based act um the vocalist was playing in hippotractor and a week but this time this was as as part of i i believe a power trio and yeah they were one of those fantastic progressive rock bands that kind of focus on keeping things sort of riffy and heavy and particularly i found the second half of their set got like more and more intense and yeah the singers kind of combo with like these quite like kind of beautiful echoing cleans in places then these more sort of brutal screen vocals was just just really nice like just an excellent progressive band like dropping some yeah just a lot of energy sort of early on in the day and they seem to have like a really a really great response from the crowd and a really cool sort of rapport with them and yeah as i say yeah yet another band from belgium here like uh, there's certainly a good scene for this kind of um progressive metal there next up on the main stage was gold spelt uh three g's ol three d's um and this was another like very post kind of band where um the percussion was like the drummer was playing like these kind of electronic pads and then you had like guitarist bass player and then the the singer who i think she also had um i think she also had some keyboards maybe they, they came out later i um, can't quite remember the makeup of, of the the project but it seemed it seems like it where it very much felt like her her vision and i i don't know whether the studio stuff is entirely done by her or not their their band i'm only more recently familiar with and i think they have a very vast kind of discography at least like scanning through the band camp the set seemed to more heavily focus on their their sort of recent releases and their music while often quite sort of simplistic very subtle was incredibly sort of dark and sad i guess like sort of the element of this which was sort of very extreme that i don't know if i witnessed anything quite like this before was a lot of the songs were directly sort of about and referencing a you know a time she was sexually assaulted and she was very explicit about that being the meaning of them and her vocal delivery is very clear and the way the music's structured there you know you are fully aware of the lyrics and her delivery if you're in that crowd and um yeah it was a very powerful thing to witness i i thought it was incredible and you know it's it's an interesting one because you see a lot of people in the audience i think it was too much for or you know were having very 
real emotional reactions to it. The all coming out, the the kind of the coming away from the stage in tears. Whereas as well, like you know, it, it did nothing for it. It's a very genrely different thing. But yes, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people made a real connection with the sound, and I I, I do think Gold is doing something sort of incredibly. Um, real there i guess uh, I, I i found it profoundly affecting so i think a combination of alcohol and fatigue of being for a festival four days at this point means i have very little memory of a lot of what happened in the middle here so i'll run into the the last four bands i, I saw to kind of wrap this up relatively quickly so the next one I went to see was Death Heaven doing a set where they were playing Sunbather in full. And this was another one, much like Liturgy, where, oh, fuck, they were having a bad day. Legitimately, there were no vocals for the first 20 minutes of the set. They, they just could not get the singer a working microphone. So, And he seemed to have no idea this was the case. So he was doing all his stage moves. He's quite a quite an involved front man. Um, and then, yeah, just all sorts of shit went wrong. There was, like, massive pops on the audio the whole way through and the band did incredibly well to remain so totally kind of unfazed by this you know they, they didn't seem put out that they're having so many kind of audio problems but yeah from an audience perspective like my first time seeing death heaven I was like that probably wasn't the ideal like it sounded quite nice in places i guess but it very much had this sense like the songs were missing something i knew should be there so the, the next act I caught was Igor, the I-G-O-Triple-R, um, who are a very interesting and, I assume, highly divisive act. Uh, Igor was the sort of one-man, like, electronica project of Igor. Um, <laughs> I think he goes by that name as well. The, for, you know, first couple of albums was this very sort of weird and wonderful kind of combination of I think, as he put it, Baroque classical music, break core and metal and sort of all these genres meld into one. But it's all him doing it through, like, sort of, you know, they're all doing this stuff on this computer. But with the last two albums, things have got really out there as he's added more members to the band. Like, they now have, as their live lineup, a guitarist, a drummer, a, like, scream vocalist and an operatic singer. So there's all this kind of stuff. And their, their set was almost exclusively music off the latest two albums particularly the most recent one and honestly this is just fantastic live stuff like having that real drum in the band um you know gives them this incredible sort of drive like he the the, the guy is a like, absolutely brilliant player but then having these two vocalists as well like the the operatic vocals you know came through spectacularly and you know the music set up to sort of draw attention to sort of each musician in certain parts and they'll regularly disappear off stage for a long time and then come back and you know they, they've got a whole sort of light show going on with this and it, yeah it's just exactly the kind of thing you know it's just as it's gone dark and you know the audience is getting tired towards the end of the festival this is exactly the kind of thing to bring everyone sort of to life and get them all excited and dancing and moshing and you know hearing their take on the the track from the album that corpse grinder did all the vocals for like that was a nice brutal one they got the mosh bit going but then they had a more singy one and then they did a quite thing, fun thing at the end of i think they were playing one of the the much older tracks which is just uh igor doing all the kind of stuff so he was doing that dj part and then the four other members of the band all just came out and like ran around stage headbanging and like partying to it at the end you know perfect kind of like festival vibe band i, I had a great time with it 
second to last was Haken, um, who are a band I've been very fond of since their incredibly early days. Like I got into them when their, their first demo came out and was like sort of a huge evangelist for the band um, up to around the album Infinity and then sort of dropped off and I don't really love the latest three albums that much. And so seeing a band like that is always, always weird where you're like, oh, I hope they play a lot of old stuff. And they played The Cockroach King and I thought that was fantastic. And then the rest of the set was entirely stuff of the newer albums. And what I will say is that stuff is really enjoyable live. The They're a band who, you know, fantastic vocal performances, incredibly technically proficient. That drummer always sounds amazing live. Um, so it was interesting to catch. But, you know, obviously my bias there spent the whole set sort of going, oh, oh I hope there's another old song and getting increasingly disappointed there wasn't. That's that's nothing against the band. That's just me wanting something they don't want to be doing. It's interesting sort of talking about the drummer, though. Um, a sort of friend pointed out to me, it's like, Arctangent definitely with its kind of remit these days is like good drummers the festival like it, there wasn't a single band I saw uh, this where the the kind of almost standout performance for them was an incredibly technically proficient drummer so you know if you're into that kind of thing Arctangent definitely a, a festival to uh to watch now I know that's probably somewhat true of most metal but it did just seem like stand out so here there was so many ways yeah the drum performance just absolutely wild um and then to cap the entire festival off and i i think a very kind of appropriate headline or whatever your, your kind of feelings are on the guy um was devon townsend and you know devon townsend is like a, a very sort of interesting um proposition these days because they've been around so long and they've so many albums over so many genres like you never know, quite know what you're going to get from a set. And he did quite an interesting set. I, I think the... I kind of like the idea of playing a bit to... A bit to the crowd and then doing a bit he wanted to do and then doing real crowd please at the end. So he had sort of the first third of the set was a string of kind of newer popular songs. So you had some some stuff from like Epic Loud and um, like the Ziltoid albums. Um, and I'm... I, not Damo Devon Townsend well enough, but you know, sort of that that sort of era of some stuff from that. Then the middle of the set was some of the more bizarre stuff from the very recent albums. I think, uh, uh, like, I, I, it was entirely I didn't recognise it, but it was quite wacky and and sort of weird. And then the end of the set was was finishing on a couple of heavier numbers and closing the entire set out on Love by uh, Strapping Young Lad, which I, I had no idea actually going into this festival. Um, he was uh, he was going to be playing strapping on that stuff again. I think that's been a thing for a while. I just had no idea. What was very funny was um, spotting that their bass player for for this current sort of touring lineup is James Leach, the bass player of Sixth, who clearly can make the Sixth set because he was he was playing with um, with Devon Townsend. And yeah, <laughs> like they they did a very good job, but they're very they were a very odd character to have there because there was a man I thought looks exceptionally serious on stage and Devon Townsend is is anything but serious on stage like one of the best reasons to catch him at something like a festival you're in a bit more of a relaxed mood about what you're watching is he's very silly between songs and often often incredibly funny and yeah this this year was was no <laughs> no exception he, he was very charming between tracks and and his voice is amazing like yeah, you know him doing that sort of faux operatic uh, singing he does it, it does sound incredible and it like carries so well and his his sort of live bands do always seem very impressive in that regard even if you know 
the music isn't isn't necessarily my thing. The one sort of interesting thought I had on it is like adding a bit of uh, strapping Lundad into the set is the bands he has with him are these incredibly technically proficient performers, but playing Love, you have someone having to play the Gene Hoagland parts and they're never going to be Gene Hoagland. So it's an interesting it's an interesting place to uh, to sort of mix things as like people have been calling for him to do strapping songs for years, but actually are they worth it with him not being strapping? I mean, for me, it was an amazing end to the the festival, but it certainly wasn't, you know, like the perfect form of those songs, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that, uh, like, that was it, like, Devin closed out the day and you know, really, really great end to a really stacked festival. As I say, like, if you look through the lineup, it's very obviously not my, like, ideal collection of bands, like, you know, something like Damnation later in the year is far more sort of my speed, but as you can tell from this, like, I found a lot to really enjoy there, and it, you know, sometimes it's fun with this stuff as well to sort of broaden my horizons a bit with some of these some of these bands that are well outside my usual wheelhouse. Um, yeah, sorry, that's a bit of a scattered one. I don't know how much interest that would hold for anyone who wasn't at the festival, but the problem is because I've essentially was at the festival for the best part of a week, and the week before was, you know, listening to bands in preparation for the festival. I haven't really got time to do do another episode this fortnight. Like, I didn't have anything I could uh, bash out without doing any research, so so I'm afraid this is what you got. Um I did put another episode out a few days back, so hopefully, um, if this is completely boring, at least <laughs> that one might be interesting. In summary, though, I think Arctangent is a fantastic little festival. It's an incredibly friendly environment with those sort of five stages close, so close together. You get a chance to see a lot of stuff, and you know, um, they, they they have a really broad kind of spectrum of of artists. As long as you're into sort of all things progressive, yeah, it's it's definitely worth visiting and it's a it's a really well-run festival and one that's kind of grown to that scale like you know it's it's more than doubled in scale from its early years like quite well they they've they've accommodated well it's, it's incredibly well run so you know thanks a lot to the organizers for putting something on like this I, I i think it's great to have such a such a cool festival you know just half an hour drive down the road from me um yeah really really enjoyed it but anyway yeah um thanks a lot for listening